So, Caitlin, what story would you say most shaped your idea of romance growing up? Well, I'll give you a hint. The central character kind of looks like you if you had a fishtail. <laughs> I know that movie. <laughs> it was my favorite Disney movie, probably for that very reason. I mean, how could you resist that as a little girl with red hair? Exactly. Unfortunately, it kind of carried the message that to get a guy to fall in love with you, you needed to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, not a great takeaway. and Not one I was going to abide by. <laughs> yes, clearly for me too. From Religion News Service, this is Saved by the City, a podcast from two single Christian women trying to navigate the raging dumpster fire that is dating in New York City. I'm Caitlin Beatty. And I'm Roxy Stone. I also really loved the Disney movies, but especially in my teens, I definitely consumed a pretty steady diet of rom-coms. I was especially fond of every Meg Ryan movie. What about Julia Roberts? Oh my gosh. Yes. Notting Hill. Notting Hill is still, I watched it like a year ago. I was like, this still holds up. (laughs) And Sleepless in Seattle does too. And You've Got Mail. And I live like around the corner now from half the You've Got Mail spots. It really was the rom-com golden age. Truly. So it's obvious that Ariel and Prince Eric didn't give us a realistic tale of romance. Uh, Yeah, and neither really did Sleepless in Seattle or Notting Hill, much as I love them. Finding and keeping a romantic partner has turned out to be a lot harder in our adult lives than what rom-coms led us to believe. And most dating experiences definitely leave something to be desired. Well, I know we've talked about this many times, but (laughs) when you say dating experiences that leave something to be desired, do any particular dates come to mind? Like what has been the worst date (laughs) you have ever been on? Gosh, I don't even know if I could say what the worst was. I feel like in my head, they're just sort of an amalgamation of terrible dates that generally go something like, I walk into the restaurant or bar and see the person and I'm like mildly disappointed already. And then (laughs) (laughs) for any guys listening, (laughs) she doesn't mean you, somebody else. And then we start chatting and it's like within five minutes, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. This is not going anywhere. And then it's either decent conversation, but not going anywhere or really, really like get me out the door. And then they always have that awkward ending and a good chunk of the time they like lean in for the kiss and then I'm like ducking or leaning out or I'm like, oh no, I don't do that on a first date. With you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I leave that part out. What about you? Do you have a worst date ever? Well, we had been in a pandemic, if you recall, where people were not really getting together. (laughs) So I matched with this guy on Hinge. It turned out that he graduated from the same college that I went to. I thought he was cute. He seemed like very open to faith. He definitely was like, he liked that I was a Christian or whatever. And (laughs) we meet up at a bar on a Friday afternoon last August. And, you know, it's one of those things where like within 10 minutes, I was like, oh, man. Ugh. So he was... And there was all this buildup because you like actually thought this one might go somewhere. That's I, so disheartening. I really had put way too much weight mm. on this date. I think because it had been so long and because... 
yep. we had that previous connection. But he was a struggling stand-up comedian, and essentially, oh. for the next several hours, he was like doing bits and material on me. Oh dear! <laughs> and I like couldn't get a word in edgewise because he was just on this roll. And oh, gosh. eventually, this was a couple drinks in, and you know. I hear this now and I'm like, why didn't I leave? Maybe because I was like holding out hope that it would change. But <laughs> we were walking in a park and he started telling me about something called negging. Mm-hmm. Not nagging. No, negging, negging, which is this trick that like sleazy pickup artist guys use on women where if you mildly insult a woman, Ew. she likes you more or that's... She has to like win your affection. Yeah, now, she has to like prove. And then he actually proceeded to neg me while Wait. telling me... That that was a game that pickup artists play. So he showed you his cards and then he still went ahead and played them. It was pretty bad. That's terrible. So I will say this terrible experience kind of lit a fire under my bottom. Is that the phrase? Rumpus. Rumpus took us derriere. <laughs> to, I've never done this before, but I had been following this guy on Twitter he seemed really smart and funny. And I realized that we knew each other, like we had met before at an event a couple years ago. Okay. And I was like, I'm just going to go for it. I've never slid into anyone's DMs ever. Ooh. And I messaged him. I was like, hey, I think we've met before. How's your summer going? Let me know if you ever want to get coffee. Mm-hmm. Thinking at the very least, I think we could probably be friends. And I left it ambiguous enough. Yeah, yeah. That I wasn't asking him out on a date. And then we got together. And we just kept meeting up because we always had so much to talk about and there was attraction. And my friends, that was eight months ago and we are still dating. You you took that bull by the horns. So it wasn't all bad. Did you neg him? <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. That's terrible. That's a terrible way to treat somebody. But I think back to our conversation with John Berger. Episode two. I think about his warnings against online dating that like in-person connections tend to lead to more serious relationships than online dating. Like, has your mind changed about online Hmm. dating at all? Yeah. I mean, I think he influenced me to be more cynical about it than I already was. But also, I don't see a lot of action right now in alternative ways like i mean i mm-hmm. first pandemic right but even despite that it it's just really hard to meet people mm-hmm. and it's particularly hard to meet new people especially once you have like an established set of friends i actually think new york is better for it than most places because people have a more dispersed friend group so it doesn't happen a lot i'd rather meet someone in person but i just don't know when or where or how that happens mm-hmm Yeah, it does seem even aside from the time of the pandemic that it's really easy to get into social ruts where you Mm kind of like see the same people and over and over again. And you figure if I wanted to date any of these people, it probably would have happened by now. And so then it takes this effort to go and try to meet new people in person. But it's effort, like it's time and energy and I think online dating can sometimes, there's like a clarity of this is what we're here for. And there's like a simplicity. If it doesn't go well, that's it. Right. Right. Like you're not going to run into each other again at another party. Although I certainly know people who ran into each other at multiple parties over time and then started off a romance after running into each other several times. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have this friend who talks about how, like, the fun of New York is that your person could be just around the corner. Um, Because you do, like, walk everywhere. And there is, like, you are in a city of millions of people and Mm -hmm. going different places and running into people all the time in a way that you don't necessarily in other cities because you're in your car or you're, you know, you're just kind of going from one place to another that are all familiar. So, I mean, there is always that kind of like spark of energy or unknown in New York. But I also think that adds some pressure of like, oh, I can't turn down this social gathering because what if this is the social gathering Mm. where I might meet someone? And certainly a lot of rom-coms are oriented around the possibility of your person is right around the corner and the meet cute serendipity. I think there was literally mm-hmm. a movie titled that <laughs> indeed set in New York city is all about like, you never know what's going to happen and you never know when fate or God or something will like bring you together. And so the, right. the idea of possibility can be energizing. Right. So would you ever allow a friend to match you with somebody yeah, I would. And, you know, I mean, I've had a couple of friends offer some reason they never actually follow up on it. Like, I've had friends be like, I know this guy who I think would be perfect for you. And I'm like, cool, connect us. And then for some reason, it never happens. So I've had that, too. Um, it's like, yeah. well, if you're going to offer, you got to do something about <laughs> yeah. it. But but yeah, I mean, I think I would be up for that. Why not? I mean, it goes back a little bit to the sense that at least with a shared social connection that friend assumedly can vouch for this person they're not going to set you up with a ding dong right like a little bit of the vetting process that you kind of have to do all by yourself through dating apps like that's already been done for you Mm -hmm. I wouldn't just let anybody do matchmaking for me I have to trust that they know who I am and what I'm about and what I would be looking for and aren't just going to be like I know a Christian guy he's single He's between the ages of 22 and 50. You'll love him. Right. Would you let the queen of matchmaking match you? Well, someone who's going to claim that title is probably really good at it. So my answer is yes. Then you're in luck. (laughs) (laughs) Heather Thompson Day is all about connecting people, both romantic partners and friends, through the art of matchmaking. Heather is a professor of communication and rhetoric at Colorado Christian University and the author of six books, including the forthcoming It's Not Your Turn, What to Do While You're Waiting for Your Breakthrough. She calls herself the queen of matchmaking, and she has five marriages to show for it. The hill that I will die on is that we need relationship. It doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. And in fact, love in your brain is processed the exact same way. A lot of people don't realize this. There is no difference between friendship love and romantic love. Our lively conversation with Heather is coming right up after we give a shout out to the organization that makes Saved by the City possible. Religion News Service is an independent, award-winning source of global reporting on religion, spirituality, culture, and ethics. Check out the newsletters, the opinion pieces from all different perspectives. There's something for everybody. For the best in global religion reporting, religionnews.com. And don't be shy about contacting us. We definitely want to hear from you. Email us at sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com or tweet us using the hashtag SavedByTheCity. And if you feel up for it, we'd love a review. Thank you, reviewers, except for the two-star guy. Jerk. I'm Paul Brandeis Rauschenbusch. This week on The State of Belief. I felt like if anyone was going to be speaking up, 
It was going to have to be somebody like me. Faithful conversations around sexual orientation and gender identity in Texas with Auburn Peterson of Another Story. Also, getting ready for the 2024 vote with Adam Friedman, organizing an election strategist at Interfaith Alliance. The State of Belief, where religion and democracy meet. Distributed by Religion News Service Podcasts and available on your favorite podcast app. We're delighted to be joined today by Heather Thompson Day, the maven of matchmaking, the duchess of dates, the princess of pairing. We'll stop now. Heather thinks we all need more connection in our lives, even if it requires a bit of meddling on our friend's part. Hi, Heather. Thanks so much for joining us. Welcome to Saved by the City, Heather. We're super happy to have you here to talk about this unexpected topic, maybe? Not unexpected for me. Matchmaker Queen is in my bio, so I'm super excited. (laughs) I am revved up for this conversation. So how did you get that reputation? Like, How did you realize that you actually really enjoyed the work of matchmaking? I have been matchmaking since middle school. So I I genuinely, and people think I'm joking when I say this, but I genuinely believe it is my spiritual gift. I think part of what drew me to it is I'm shameless. I am, if somebody walks into, no, I'm serious. If somebody walks into church and I've had this exact example, handsome young guy walks into church and I, one of my friends who's recently divorced and we've talked about what her type is. I saw him. I said, that is, that is absolutely her type. So I'm going to ask him. So I just walk over and I'm like, Hey, are you single? Or have you met anybody? Are you looking? And he was like, I mean, I don't know. I took a pic. I was like, can I take a picture with you? And I took a selfie and then I sent it to her. She was like, yes, game on. So then I said to him, I said, let me give you her number and you are going to thank me later. And so that is honestly, I do that a lot. I am willing to talk to total strangers. And then of course, I'm willing to talk to my closest friends. A lot of people I think feel like, oh, it's not my business to get involved in my friends dating lives. Um, So why do you think that it is their business or that matchmaking can or should play an important role in friendships or community? Yeah, I think it's not your business if your friend tells you it's not your business then it's not your business. If my friend says, and just by nature of my personality, they know that we have to have boundaries with one another. So if they want to tell me, Heather, I am not interested, I say, okay. But my friends, most of them are interested. Mm -hmm. If you know your friend is looking for somebody, most of the time, the answer to what, and this is true of like, this is just true of jobs or connections Mm -hmm. or networking. Most of the time, somebody you know has the answer that you're looking for. Mm. And so I just feel like, why not? Why should we all not if that's your friend? And I know somebody else who's single and also looking. And that I would say that that is probably the one question that I really ask. Are you seriously looking for a relationship? Because mm-hmm. I would never mm-hmm. want to set somebody up to have their time wasted. Mm-hmm. So at least when I'm talking to people, I always say, are you, are you sure you are really looking to meet somebody? Like if you, if I was to set you up with your wife or with your husband, you would be happy. And if that answer is yes, then okay, let's go. You're you're Mm. not trying to set up casual daters. I'm not. So let's go back. Have you had any first success stories in matchmaking that you're super excited about? And tell us about one of those horrible stories. Roxy, you don't get called queen of those (laughs) success stories, okay? I have... Fair point. I have five marriages. (gasps) Wow. And one baby mama. So success. They're happy. They're together. They are not pursuing marriage at this time, but they're happy and they're together and they're having their first child um, in the next couple months. I just talked to her yesterday. So yeah, I have a lot of success stories. 
And I'm grateful for that. And I love it. All right. Horrible story. I don't have a horrible story other than I feel horrible if I match somebody and then one person is less interested. Yeah. Mm. That's always really painful. And I, I feel personally responsible if I got somebody's hopes up and then the one person tells me, you know, I'm just not really feeling it. That's happened a couple of times. That is hard when it's not like a mutual decision. One person is into it and one person isn't. That's... And then I feel like then it probably is awkward for them with me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking of somebody right now who now I have matched her with somebody else and they are doing very, very well. And so then I always worry about my other friend that I first matched her with when he comes over, like, what do I say? You know, if he says like, how is she? Mm -hmm. What do I say? That, that can be an awkward thing for the matchmaker to keep the relationships with both people going. I think in some ways, that's why I get nervous about the idea of going on like a date with a mutual acquaintance because the stakes sort of feel higher. Like, what if I don't like this person? What if he doesn't like me? What if we don't like each other, but then we run into each other at a at Heather's party sometime <laughs> or, you know, I mean, I think that idea of like, of that overlap makes me nervous. Whereas, you know, dating apps, for example, just sort of feel safer. Cause it's like, Oh, that's outside of my circles and it's not going to like potentially complicate my social life. Well, here's what I can tell you as far <laughs> as like, just I'm a communication professor. So, so to pull in some research here, our relationships do better when we have overlapping circles. So some of the mm -hmm. best things that let's say newlyweds, when they get married, if they live in the town that one of the partners is from with their family, those couples report higher quality of relationship and stay together longer. Mm -hmm. So there, there's this time period where it's really good to see how somebody interacts with people that they've known for five, 10 years. Right. And so it can be. And so I think sometimes that's the danger of, of apps. And I am for absolutely, I'm for any type of matchmaking period. So I have been, I've, I have dated a lot of people where we had a lot of mutual friends and I, I think you're right, Heather, that there's something about the overlapping social circles that allows you to just get to know someone better and deeper and it feels less random than online dating or dating apps can feel. I've been set up once and it didn't go well. And then the friend who had set us up, I think, felt personally responsible. And I, I will admit that I felt a little bit like this person was trying to fix my singleness. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. how do you help people without fixing people? The hill that I will die on is that we need relationship. It doesn't have to mm -hmm. be a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. And in fact, love in your brain is processed the exact same way. A lot of people don't realize this. There is no difference between friendship love and romantic love in the brain. Hmm. So I am pretty steadfast on that, that we have to have mm -hmm. really close people in our lives. When we look at our lives and we say, what's the meaning to life? Or what makes me feel at peace? Or what makes me feel fulfilled? What we often don't realize when we say those things is that we have relationships with other people. When we look at our lives and we say, I don't feel at peace, I don't feel fulfilled, we're often not mm -hmm. realizing that what we're really lacking is relationship with other people. Relationships mm -hmm. is what makes us feel those things. And I'm somebody who believes in quality over quantity. I have probably three really great best friends that I would talk to that I pick up the phone and call. And I don't need more mm -hmm. than that, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm happy with that. Um, but I think we have to have people in our corner. 
when so-and-so is rude to me at work or whatever, who I can call and is going to be like, man, forget them. Like you are so smart or you are so funny. Forget them. They don't know what they're talking about. We have to have that space that we can go to. I know a lot of Christian single women who feel very frustrated at the sort of numbers imbalance. And also I think it has resulted in a lot of Christian women dating outside of the church because it's like, well, there's just nobody here. What do we do with that? I think that's how do we expand out of our circles or what do we do with that reality of imbalance? Yeah, uh, a couple things. I think if you are open, I, I think it's healthy to date outside of your race too. Sometimes that um, can be a hindrance. But also your faith, man, that's a that's a loaded question that if I speak truthfully, I'll have people DMing me <laughs> when this airs saying that I'm a heretic. <laughs> but I'll say this, my spiritual partner actually, the person that, I talk to about whatever I'm going through spiritually or struggling with for the last 15 years. She had been single for most of our friendship. At COVID, she ended up sending an email to an old friend who had kind of, they'd gone like one day and um, it didn't really pan out to anything. And mainly because he wasn't religious and she is extremely religious. And so she sent him an email or a text or something, and then they started emailing and now they're together. And I can remember many times in the beginning of this relationship that she was like, but he, he doesn't share, he's not from my denomination. He has a lot of Mm -hmm. questions about faith that I don't share. And she was like, I just don't, is this really who God would have for me? And my personal thought on that is like, there's so many different reasons for why people choose to reject faith. And if you haven't grown up in their home, and their experiences and their church, you really should withhold and suspend all judgment on, on somebody's experience with faith. And so Mm. I encourage her, I said, how does he treat you? Does he treat you? Like, do you think God would be pleased with the way he talks to you and the attention he shows Mm -hmm. you and the treatment? And she was like, are you kidding? I mean, he, this guy treats her amazingly Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's her only relationship, but I would say it is like the best relationship I've seen from any of my friends. I am so happy for her. And he has come along, I think, in faith. So I'll say this too. He was always respectful of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if it, if he didn't necessarily share it, he was always respectful of it. And so I think mm-hmm. that's a big thing to look for. Is this person respectful, not just tolerating, right? But they affirm me and they say, oh, this is what makes you who you are. And I get that for you. I think mm-hmm. that that's something important to look for. And so for her, it's really worked out. But I would hate to say that as like, this is the stamp for everybody because it right. probably isn't, right? And so I think, yeah, mm-hmm. like, let's be wise as people of faith. Let's pray and ask God, is this right for me? Because maybe mm-hmm. it is and maybe it's not. It's, I would think that it's an individual basis, but my goodness, here's what I absolutely know. Just because they say they're a Christian means nothing. Our, mm-hmm. our words mean nothing. Do you think God is more pleased because somebody wears that label and then is racist or misogynist or hateful? You know what I mean? Like, this is crazy. Right. right. That we think yeah. saying a word makes you something. Yeah. We don't want you to get like blasted for being a heretic. We don't think you're a heretic for saying <laughs> for saying that there's there's wisdom and discernment and yeah. prayer that should be involved in all decisions about dating relationships. Yeah, and I think God cares. I'll say this, my sister who is my best friend in the entire world did the whole Christian thing as best as she could, married the only boy she'd ever kissed from her small town Christian school. And Mm -hmm. he cheated on her and just destroyed her understanding of like protection and and safety for Mm -hmm. years. I mean, for years. And the person Mm -hmm. that she's married to now 
was not at all a practicing Christian when they got into a relationship. And I feel 100% that this is the person that God has called into her life. God yeah. does mm-hmm. not see as man sees, right? God sees the heart. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I've I've heard the message more than once from Christian friends, usually Christian married friends to other Christians. Tell me, you know, about me or, or other people when dating outside of Christian circles, like it's just, it's settling, it's not waiting, it's getting ahead of God. I, I I can think of a lot of ways that people have phrased that. Like it's it's essentially mm-hmm. not trusting God to sort of take matters into your own hands and not follow that that idea of, of being yoked to someone who's not who doesn't share your faith. And I think especially for women, the message is oriented around waiting. Mm-hmm. Like there's a pass there's a passivity to it. Like you just need to trust and just sit back, mm-hmm. and God will do the work. Women are almost discouraged from doing anything in their own dating lives because if you just wait, if you just wait, God will bring your husband at the right time. And I definitely believe that God is sovereign over my dating life as God is over every other aspect of my life. But I also think in a lot of areas of life, God asks us to participate <laughs> and and gives us agency and gives us choices to make and Yeah, I just don't like being passive in any area of my life. So I think the waiting and if like if you go out on a date with a non-Christian, then you're not trusting God. You just need to wait longer. It seems like an easy thing for married Christian friends to say. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's just like stupid because if you if you need a job. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. Well, what are you doing? I'm I'm waiting for somebody to call me and tell me that they're gonna hire me for the job. I'm just gonna sit here and I'm just gonna wait. Mm-hmm. Immediately, people would say, "What are you talking about? That's not what God is called." So I don't understand. You know, we speak for God mm-hmm. a lot. We speak. We love speaking for God <laughs> and what God would do. Mm-hmm. And in the reality, I personally, this is my own theology. I personally believe that God deals with us very individually, and so I have had to learn how to really trust, especially my friends who are praying. Christians, like their own individual path with God. And I have to trust the Holy Spirit in your life, even if sometimes I don't agree with it. If you're telling Mm -hmm. me this is what I believe God is calling me to, who am I to stand in the way of that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me add this. Statistically, women settle and men do Mm -hmm. not. And Mm -hmm. I think it's important to be aware of that. Um, I think it's also important to know that men are incredibly loving creatures, even though we often talk about them as if they're not. The reality is that they are. Studies show that men, after a breakup, fantasize and miss their lost partner more than women do. Hmm. When you ask a man, why did you get married? The sole answer is typically love. What do you mean? I Mm -hmm. I married her because I loved her. Women often give a variety of reasons and love doesn't have to be one of them. It can be, Hmm. well, he was going to be a good dad or he made a lot of money Mm -hmm. or I was ready to settle down. Right. So some mm -hmm. form of security. Yeah. And so I think it's important. Mm -hmm. I just like saying this because I think sometimes, at least with my students, I'll hear, yeah, like maybe he cheats on me or maybe he doesn't treat me amazingly or, but it's just, that's just how guys are. That is not how guys are. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. how guys who are not taking you seriously are. When a man is in love with you, you will see that. When you ask a man who's in love, how do you get over an obstacle or a conflict? He says, love. Love will allow us to get over any obstacle or conflict. When I go around my students, this is actually really fascinating. When I go around on the first day um, of a college classroom, one of I always ask this question, what's the dream? 10 years from now, where do you see yourself? What's mm. the dream? I have, I don't know if I've ever seen a girl say this, but on at least almost every single class period, I'll have one guy say, my dream is to be married to my girlfriend and to have this job and blah, blah, blah. And she's amazing. And 
that's normal Hmm. of male love. And I just think we have so many depictions of really crappy guys that we say, oh, all men are this way. That's not how all men are. Mm -hmm. So I say that to say, don't settle for a guy who is not doing those things for you. Mm -hmm. And you think one of the reasons women settle is because they've, they have bought into that idea that that's just how all men are. I mean, what do you think? I mean, certainly in attitudes about like cheating Mm -hmm. or fidelity, the, Mm -hmm. the myth that like, well, at the end of the day, the vast majority of men just can't be faithful. Like Mm -hmm. it's just, they're biologically hardwired to not be able to be faithful. And that's, even a message in the church. And then you have messages about women like trying to fix their men, their husband's sexual infidelity. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that myth is probably really pervasive. And then women don't know to hope for something better or someone better or hope for someone who treats them better and doesn't find faithfulness to be a problem because of the love and commitment. And because I'm filled with useless information, I can tell you that is a myth. Studies show, Mm -hmm. well, I won't say this for all generations, for millennials, millennial men are the first generation to cheat less than women. Hmm. Hmm. Really? Yes. That's fascinating. And I had not heard that before. I guess that's, that gives me hope. Yeah. (laughs) I I think there's a lot of hope to be had in, in finding a good guy. There's, I think that there are great great guys out there. And especially, well, I don't want to be all generational, but I just love our generation. I I think millennial men, I've met some really great, deep thinking, wonderful, Mm. wonderful guys. Yeah. I I have to admit, I have probably gotten a little cynical about dating these days and you definitely seem sort of unabashedly romantic. So it's, it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. It's fun to hear you be like optimistic and actually like say, Hey, it's worth it. (laughs) So take things I say with a grain of salt. Cause I am, I am a dying optimist that, that my glass is always half full for everybody. It's I I literally can't fathom that, but I guess I'm I in know. like the right profession as like a cynical person. It's like ah, but you need cynical people in journalism. But we all need more always glass half full people in our lives. I'm the glass half full friend. That's my role. Thank you so much for your time today. Hey, thanks for having me. It was fun. Now that we have a better vision of the art of matchmaking, what do you say we give it a try? Play a little game. See what kind of matches we come up with. So this is kind of like MASH. MASH? Oh, you know, the junior high game where you like write on a piece of paper and you play with your friend and you find out who your husband will be and whether you'll live in a mansion, (laughs) an apartment, a shack, or a house. I always got the shack for some reason. Well, then they wrote a book about it and... (laughs) The shack is where God is. Right, the shack isn't (laughs) terrible, I guess. (laughs) Okay, so yes, kind of like the junior high game of MASH, but much more grown up and sophisticated. I'm scared, but I'm game. Well, you don't have a choice. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So it seems like one key aspect of matchmaking is figuring out what's important for the person you're trying to match. Yeah, like if I am trying to match you with somebody and keeping my eyes out for a good potential date, I would want to know what's important to know about you and what are your top values in looking for a partner. Exactly. So I went on the hunt for the perfect matchmaking tool. Obviously, I went on the internet. So this is a little bit different from Yenta 
a fiddler on the roof. It's a quiz <laughs> from Play Buzz. Oh. Are you ready? This quiz promises to help us find the perfect match. All right. Question one. Tell me what kind of flower you are. A daisy, a lily, a rose, or an apple blossom? I mean, putting aside the complete ridiculousness of trying to choose a rose to sum up my identity, <laughs> and this would never be asked of a man, <laughs> but I, I think I'm going to say apple blossom because it's the most unique. It's like unexpected. Okay, perfect. I am sorry to say that I'm a rose. Why are you sorry? <laughs> because it's just so basic. No, it's classic. I, it's classic, and I think roses really are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful, and they smell lovely. Okay, question number two. Where would you go as a location for a first date? A brewery? A rock climbing gym? <laughs> a park? Or a concert? Like a rock concert? A brewery. Same. Alcohol kind of helps with the jitters. I'm from Colorado, so microbreweries, come on. (laughs) It's like a love language. All right. What is closest to the job you do? Teacher, graphic designer, accountant, or personal trainer? I think I'm down. So (laughs) yeah, I'm going to say personal trainer, even though that's ridiculous. I'll go with teacher. (laughs) Okay. This is so dumb. (laughs) Question number four. Choose a hot drink. Coffee? tea, hot chocolate, or a latte? Coffee, black. Really? You don't like anything in your coffee? No cream, no sugar. I think I'm going to go with the latte. I really like a good chai latte. All right. Because I'm spicy. We're getting closer to our perfect matches. (laughs) (laughs) Which country would you like to visit? England, Bali, South Africa, or Japan? Definitely Japan. I've heard so many wonderful things about it, and I've never been there before. I'm going with South Africa. Mm. I want to see all the animals. Okay, this is very stupid because it presupposes that you've only read one of the four. But the question is, which of these books have you read? Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Okay. Is that the name of the book? Yeah, it's the first one. Okay. Yeah, uh, that's true. The American version is Sorcerer's Stone. Fifty Shade of Grey. Just one shade. (laughs) Pride and Prejudice or Twilight. I have read two of those four. Mm. So I will just pick Pride and Prejudice. Same Just because I'm highbrow like that. I'm not saying this to brag. That is the only one I have read on this list. You haven't read Harry Potter? Oh, we've already had this conversation. Oh, gosh. All right. What's your favorite holiday? Christmas, Halloween, Valentine's Day, or Thanksgiving? I really like Thanksgiving. I really like how low-key it is. Which chore would you prefer to do if you had to? (laughs) Vacuuming, dusting, washing dishes, or folding laundry? Vacuuming. Yeah, it's a solid, a solid choice. I'm going to go with washing dishes. I really like doing it. Can you come over to my place? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, it's calculating results. Oh, my perfect match is the outdoorsy type. 
Mm, what is he like? That's actually not off. Not that no, it's really we not. shouldn't give that much credit to playbuzz.com. But I mean, the nuance in the questions really got us to this perfect answer. Me and my perfect outdoorsy type will be so outdoorsy, we'll forget about what being inside even feels like. Mm. I'm into it. Yeah, it's not off. So I feel like maybe this is the result. Like maybe our only options were the outdoorsy type or mine, which is the romantic type. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a gif of Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic, which, uh, you know, yeah. as a teenager, mm. that was that was the mm-hmm. ideal. He is passionate. He's angst filled. Mm. <laughs> mm, the older I get, the more I don't want that. You are both like soft marshmallows floating in hot chocolate, all melty and gooey. Wow. No uh, that's one what has I always ever... think about, yeah, with you is melty and gooey. <laughs> Not a bone of cynicism in your body. <laughs> Maybe I was melty and gooey one time. Life took it out of me. You can find it again. Okay, well, I feel like we need to end on a little bit of a serious <laughs> note, which is that I would trust you. If you came along and said, hey, I met this guy. I think you might be into him. Mm-hmm. Same. And so if this happens, just to confirm, what what would be important to you as I keep my eyes open for a potential match? It's so hard to boil it down, you know, but I think I really like to have conversational chemistry. So I think somebody who can just really keep up and have fun in conversation and talk. And I mean, I, I also appreciate when you don't have to talk and it's also comfortable, but I think that's, Mm -hmm. that's always like a, a sign for me is when it Mm -hmm. feels like not necessarily that like the conversation lulls or whatever, but just that there's not a spark in the conversation at all. No riffing, no like, Mm -hmm. yeah, where you just kind of get going and you can't stop. Mm hmm. Would you say that's, is that like the number one quality? I think it's an early sign for me of like, this Mm -hmm. could go somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think the number one quality for me, hmm, I really just appreciate companionship. So having somebody to do stuff with and having somebody around the house and just like that sense that you have someone in your corner and someone to just enjoy the day-to-day of life with Mm -hmm. and do the dishes with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. I mean, it's not really a quality, but it's a quality of the relationship that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like a big plan. Yeah. I think just that like casual passive enjoyment of each other that it's like, mm-hmm. I want to be with you mm-hmm. and I feel like you want to be with me. Mm-hmm. That sounds really, really low bar. I'd really mm-hmm. like to be with somebody who just wants to be you with me. like me. I like you. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's a warmth, I guess, of Mm -hmm. like a Thanksgiving dinner table. Mm, So Mm. warm. What about you? I don't know how to say this without sounding snobby. I think it's related to your, the quality you first mentioned, which is conversational chemistry. I really like someone who challenges me intellectually, which I think Mm -hmm. means there's a level of like respect for each other, for how the other person thinks and sees the Mm -hmm. world. And there's an enjoyment in talking about issues without it feeling like argumentative or like everything's a debate, but that paired with just really being able to have fun and be silly so that it's not always 
super serious, but it's not always super shallow. Yeah. There's an ability to go deep, but there's also an ability to laugh. Yeah. I think that has been the most consistent quality in what I'm looking for. And that he wants to go to karaoke with me. And I want somebody who will go on hikes with me. Mm. The outdoorsy type. And get really excited whenever I spot animals because it's like a spiritual gift that I have to spot animals and get really excited about it. So I need not only for the person to also get excited, but be really impressed with my abilities. Mm. Like, you know, like the genus name. You're like, there's the... Oh, no, I don't even always know what I'm seeing. I just (laughs) see them. I have like an eye that way. I like know how to find animals in their habitats. Mm. You'd be good at bird watching. I know. I need to... We, you and I went once. We need to go again. I find birds actually to be a trickier animal to spot, though. So mm-hmm. I would need like some tips from you. Okay. Well, you know, there is a park that's pretty central. <laughs> yeah. We that's, could meet... That's like at, a hot spot. Yeah. I, we could go ramble in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds like a date yay (laughs) we did get a date out of this episode (laughs) with ourselves yeah with each other oh that's okay (laughs) (laughs) well thank you to our listeners for playing along with us in this episode we are so grateful for your support and we'd love to hear from you you can get in touch with us by tweeting to the hashtag Saved by the City. Who should we talk to and what should we talk about? We'd love to hear your ideas. And it's so great when we get email or reviews. It fills our heart with joy and gladness. So send us a note at sbtcpodcast at religionnews.com. Saved by the City is a Religion News Service production. The executive producer is Jay Woodward, and the consulting editor is Paul O'Donnell. We also get production assistance from Elizabeth Joy Windham. Chaz Russo put together our look, and Martin Fowler wrote our theme music. We also want to give a special shout out to Madeline in London. It's amazing that we have fans from across the Atlantic listening to our show. We are Caitlin Beatty and Roxy Stone. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.